everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Sparkin' Anime Review, Sparkin's podcast where we talk about all things anime, news, television shows, anime, movies, OVAs, and various other things. I'm your host, Zan, and konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? And joining me today is... Hey, it's uh, Doug from AnimeCons TV again. Yes, back for another fun-filled topic of where we're talking about the thing that we love and that has brought us together, anime. Oh, I and thought we were talking about beer. That's a that that is a, that is another topic for another episode. That's probably gonna be one of the Zan chats. We're gonna talk about Oda Brews. Maybe we can get Pat and uh, Ed on it. <laughs> the origins and the story of Oda Brew. But we digress. So we decide we're gonna do something different because I'm gonna talk about manga. We talk about movies and for anime, a lot has happened besides the release of all the new stuff. Um, a lot of st- Things have not been coming out on time. They've been coming out late because of all the coronavirus stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's And we also have a lot more time to watch things. Everyone should be staying at home as much as possible. Very true. And also a new channel, if you have a Roku or uh, Amazon Fire, has appeared. And that is Retro Crush. Lots of old school anime from the long forgotten eras of 2018 and back. Yeah, I'm still a little uh, confused on that definition of retro, but... They seem to have a pretty good catalog. They do have a good catalog, but like some are like, oh, this came out like 2019. It's like, that's not retro. Retro should have a certain point. So as we were discussing about all the old stuff, we decided we're going to release some forgettable, not forgettable, but some forgotten and maybe not popular series that were from retro periods. And we decided to put a cap on it. Here is the point where we're going to end it and then go backwards. So we're... Going from 20, 2005 and back. Because there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people know from past 2005. I mean, uh, well, One Piece was 2001, but that we're not counting One Piece. Oh, jeez. You know, we're not wow, Yeah, we're not going to count any of the newer or popular series that everyone knows, like Dragon Ball, Full Metal Alchemist, anything by Clamp, because Clamp, that's just uh, a little too easy. So we're going for more, yeah. more rare, more unique stuff that's a little more fun. And um, before I forget, remember you could check out all of Doug's interesting work at AnimeCons.tv. Uh, AnimeCons.tv. Yeah, and we're kind of, we're kind of getting to the point that we don't have a lot to talk about for conventions postponed, but we definitely have a good back catalog, and we'll try and really want to get some good to- content to talk about. Again, the year without a con. <laughs> and uh, you could check out any of our other podcasts at www.spirekin.com. And the last anime review we did was talking about uh, the releases for the uh, uh, 2020 spring anime. And I've seen most of the stuff. Some of it was really good. A lot of it was really weird. And a lot is starting in medias res. So, But anyway, let's get to the topic at hand, shall we? <laughs> so um, I have eight titles here plus one additional one. And you have eight, correct? Yes. So what I think we could do is, since we both have dice, because we both play various games, let's roll a dice, and we'll come up with a number, and then we'll pick the, we'll review, we'll talk about that one. And since you're the guest, you start. All right, let's see how this one goes. Um, okay, number five. So number five, ooh, this is a good one to talk about. One I think has fallen off the uh, radar for a bunch of people. The 2004 uh, anime adaptation. And it's the second anime adaptation of this series, Area 88. Uh, it's a solid series. For those of you who don't know it, it's uh, the main character, Shin, is, dreams of being the pilot and gets tricked by the guy that he thought was kind of his best friend while he's drunk to sign on to be a 
combat air pilot and he has to, you know, he's basically a mercenary and he either he has to get enough kills to um, pay off his debt or be killed in action. Um, <laughs> that's his two options. And if he deserts, he'll also you know, be killed. Um, great if you're a aircraft otaku, like a, a fighter jets and stuff like that. But it's also a really interesting war story and it plays a lot with kind of PTSD and what that does to you as, you know, he, he kind of goes through a journey of like, he's no longer thinking about the fact that he's killing people, but, but that this is just another number and stuff like that. And uh, it's, uh, this version is just pretty solid. I know the, the OVA version from, I want to say the eighties um, that uh, just got a good re-release by discotech, but we haven't really gotten the TV series yet. It's also got a really good uh, soundtrack, like a lot of neat techno music and things like that. From the few episodes I've seen of it, it is one of those films which is an aviation otaku's dream because of the detail. Um, friend of the podcast, Tim Spavaro, an artist, he he loves the design of the of Shin's Fighter and some of the other design work in it. And the score, from what I remember, it actually... It should... Like, you think, okay, Air Pilots should work with tech, the soundtrack, but it fit well yeah exactly uh and the the other interesting thing without spoiling it um this version the uh ova version and the manga version all have different endings so it's very interesting to see like if you've only given one of the other forms a try give this one a try because it's a you know gives another look at it and it's kind of interesting to see how they play out uh and compare to them and kind of choose which version you like even though they're all different tellings and that's one of the more fun things is when they do that with with anime and manga and ovas where each one is set their own in movies they're their own separate story and narrative so you want to collect all the different versions of it uh the only series i think that really didn't do a good job with that is and people are going to kill me for it but neon Genesis evangelion because they've gone completely insane at this point there's 50 different versions of the of the of the series Oh, yeah, well, and so many of those are, you know, not, like, they're just completely alternate universes, and, yeah, the less said about that, the better. Like, it's not, like, the same story from just a slightly different angle. It's so wildly different. That you, you mean that the it's Ava not, Zero it, One horse? The horse racing one? <laughs> yeah, uh, but that is a good one, and it's one we recommend. Um, I will say, uh, well, anyway. So I haven't seen all of it, so I can't say anything, but I know you have. Uh, so the next one is a visual masterpiece. I just rolled it, and it's one which is, well, it's Akayuki Shinbo's brainchild, because he's out of his fucking mind, and it was also made with to Tatsunoko to create this thing that was one part digital anime and one part, like, I want to say glass stained glass window, and I'm talking about Soul Taker. And this one was released over here by Pioneer in four DVDs, and it is a strange... Um, well, explaining the plot is simple. You got a guy named Kyosuke Date, who his mother stabs him in the first episode for reasons, and then he finds out he has a twin sister after he comes back from the dead. So he dies after his mother kills him. He comes back from the dead, finds out he has a twin sister, and he has now the ability to turn into this super mutant that's known as the Soul Taker. 
and he's trying to find his twin sister, but then there's other versions of his sister around, because apparently his sister had the ability to split herself off into multiple, I think they're called flickers. They're like fragments of her soul, and each one's slightly different. And he ends up trying to find his sister while meeting all the different versions of her. And each one's different. One is older, one is younger. One was uh, one was like a, a girl that he fell in love with, which that's really super awkward. And it's just very strange. And it's in a world where the bad guys are actually a hospital that's filled with mutants. Hmm. And like in the first episode... This feels like one of those ones. Oh, go on. I was going to get some. This feels like one of the... This is, feels like one of those ones that if you try to explain this to a non-otaku, they're just going to slowly start backing away. <laughs> that is it. That is the whole thing. You are going to slowly start backing away. And the series, when you first watch it, you're like the first episode, you're like, what the fuck just happened? Because it's like head scratching and crazy. I didn't even get to the fact that Kiyosuke has a lightsaber. Well, sorry, it is a uh, electronic, uh, electro something saber. It's a lightsaber. Yeah. And um, there's some other crazy aspects. There's a spinoff series where they took one of the other characters and made her the main character. Because um, the first boss or bad guy he fights is this crazy doctor mutant. And he's assisted by this girl named uh, Kogomu or Kamugo or Kamugi. Because witch nurse. And she ends up falling in love with him and stalks him. And like is following him and wants to help him out. And... She ends up the main character in her spinoff series called Nurse Witch Kamugi, and it's it's like, we're going to just take this crazy character from this series, and we're going to make her a magical girl. And then the main character from this series, we're going to make him just the 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 uh, love interest. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. And the one thing most people do know about this show is if you've ever gone to a Jam Project concert, they will play the theme song, because the theme song is amazing. Yep, it's it's one that I think is, that is definitely people remember the the theme song more than the anime, and it's one that I think that people should just give a give a check out, watch it, and just see where it goes because it is completely batshit crazy. There are scenes that like said it doesn't make how plot A went to plot B, but you're like, okay, I'll just run with this. You just gotta just go with it. It's visually stunning, and for thirteen episodes, it's not bad. Just. But again, that's just me ranting. <laughs> All right. So, what I is think your thirteen episode? Oh, go on, go on. Um, oh. I was gonna say, I think that thirteen episode mark is a good. You you have very little to lose if you give it a try for anime. Like it's six hours and you're done, and it's per- makes it pretty accessible versus like a a twenty six or fifty two episode series. It's a little easier to uh, go into. All right. So I'm gonna roll for my next one then. Yeah. And, uh, to go to finish off with that, as we said, that is a good point because this was almost an experiment. So that's a good point for 13 episodes to be a good length for experimental stuff. Yep. So so what did you roll? So, um, my next one is one from 2002. Um, it's actually a adaptation of a Leiji Matsumoto manga, but no. it's not science fiction. It's not. It's 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 a western. It's gun, which it's you know it has two characters, Toshiro and Harlot. One Toshiro you find is looking for his village or kind of his lost village mates from a place in like the wild west called Samurai Creek, and um, Harlock is just kind of a more of a roaming gunslinger that they happen to hang out together. Um and. It has it hits a lot of the same beats Harlock for like how they do friendship and everything. 
um, and things like that. And it's just kind of a, a neat take on the, the different setting, and it's almost like these could be their distant, distant relative. Um, what's interesting is the anime was from 2002, but the on uh, the original manga is from uh, 72. So it was a while before it got out. But it's neat. Um, oh, and I forgot, Carlock is a sea captain, even though it's in the Wild West. So, And they have a, uh, a woman who's kind of with, joins them along the way, and she's not really jammed on displays, and she kind of almost plays them against each other, but they also just kind of seem like um, they, uh, you know, they're wise to her trying to mess with her. So it's it's pretty good, and it's a good little romp. And again, if you like uh, Harlock and Tachiro and those characters, you, you'll enjoy seeing them in a slightly different setting. And there's a bit of mystery that's going on. So I just think it's a, it's a neat little story and stuff like that. I agree that it's one of those ones which it's in the Lazy Matsumoto universe, and technically some people say that it's canon because it's like early on because the whole theory that uh, all the series is just reincarnations over and over and over again, like or this person adopted the identity of this person, like for Harlock. Yeah, and there's always the... I forget which version of it is... I, but it's, you know, I, I, I want to say it's um, um, Arcadia of My Youth, but they basically, they like, look, look back into the past to Chiro and uh, Harlock, and they seem like, oh, your relatives, your, your distant relatives from the past were friends, too. And it's, like, basically the kind of the theory that they were, they were always destined to be friends sort of thing. And this one does that. So. It focuses on that. And I'm, I, I like Gun Frontier. I think it's something a little different from what he's used to, even though it's, some of the designs are almost verbatim. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, I think it's one of those ones that I wouldn't I wouldn't give this to someone as their entry into Leiji Matsumoto stuff. But I, I think it's one of those if you enjoy the if you enjoy what you've seen of other works from Matsumoto's uh, collection and you want to try just a kind of a slightly different flavor, this is a good one to check out. And Leiji Matsumoto was something that you all everyone should always check out. Uh, well. Uh, I don't even know what to say else about this because I'm like, I want to talk more about this because we could do a whole episode about Leiji Matsumoto and just Gun Frontier in general. But um, So let me roll the next one. Um, okay. Uh, so the n- next anime is one which is kind of dear to my heart because it's based on one of my favorite novels of all time, uh, even though it's a terrible adaptation of it. And we're talking about Sen Jushi... Uh, yeah, just San Juicy or The Three Musketeers. This is an anime that came out 87 to 89 by NHK, by Studio Gallup, directed by Konohiko Yayawa, or Yayama. And this is an adaptation of the story of D'Artagnan leaving Gascony to go to Paris to join the King's Musketeers and all the adventures that happened because of this. And this changes it slightly. Like, his motivation for going to Paris is, I want to see an elephant. Not I want to become a king's guard. No, I want to. I want to see an elephant. Uh, they introduce a dumb sidekick whose name is Jean, and from there it just gets weird. It's <laughs> it's not a bad adaptation, but there are just some strange things about it, and they change it. Like obviously, instead of it being over years, it's in a matter of months. And D'Artagnan is super young, and Aramis is not a man. He's actually uh, Aramis is actually a woman. For the Three Musketeers is a lot of differences. It is a like 
I don't want to say like the super book style, like, you know, when they used to have those, hey, here's versions of old book, like Heidi of the Alps, which Miyazaki worked on. It's kind of like those, we're going to adapt Western literature into animes. And this is one of the more interesting and strange ones. I think it's just no one outside of France knows about it because in France, this is very big. Well, kind of makes sense. And the art style is like, I'm going to for a second sh- uh, sh- show you, show uh, Doug the art style. You tell me what you think. Oh, this will be interesting. So you saw the, the cover, but here is the uh, art style. I should have zoomed in. Yeah. Did it? Or it froze. Uh, uh, I'm seeing it. That is, is yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's different than I was expecting. For... So you, uh, is it this, you see the one with the number two? Yep. And then later on, they fix it a little bit, but <laughs> it's like first episode, yeah. first, first season, it looks bad. It's like comically ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And um, let's uh, edit the sharing screen. Let's stop sharing. Um, but this is one of those. Uh, well, it's it's just like a personal thing that I like, and I think that's always cool to see these adaptations. Like the Crime and Punishment manga by uh, Osamu Tezuka is amazing. Hard to get a hold of, but really amazing. Mm-hmm. It just it shows their own oh. flair of what they think, how these think these characters act. Yep. Uh, but anyway. All right. I guess I'm gonna roll for my next one then. Let's see what we got. Oh, can't do that one. I already did it. Okay. Oh, this is a this is one uh, I've brought up before um, when I've done mecha panels uh, at Anime Boston and stuff like that. And this might get this might be a controversial pick, but um, it is Brain Powered, which is a Yoshiyuki Tomino um, directed in the original director of Gundam uh, or Battle of Dunbine and also a bunch of other classic mecha shows. And yeah, it's really weird. Like, it's set in post-apocalyptic world. There was an incident that has flooded a lot of, made the world uh, heavily flooded. Um, and there's mechs that there's, um, there's uh, orphans and grand chairs. And you never really, you never really know which one is which unless a character says, oh, that one's a grand chair. And it's also, I'll, I'll get this out right of the way. Um, one of the weirdest parts about this series is, is in the opening credits, every uh, female member of the cast appears naked. <laughs> it's I, I it's just gonna be say it's it's strange, but um, it's got a fantastic score by uh, Yoko Kano. Um, Ma, uh, Mamoru Nagano did the uh, mechanical designs, who's also done stuff like you know Five Star Stories and everything. and the thing I say kind of why I tell people. People that this is what neat one to check out is this was from 1998 and then right after this in 99 was the series Turn A Gundam which Tomino also directed um, and Yoko Kano also did the uh, the score for that too and it's also a lot of the same vocal cast in a lot of ways it feels like it's it's the the te- the test run or rough draft of Turn A Gundam like ideas that they had in brain powered. That worked came back into into Turn A Gundam and got more polished and things like that. Um, there's the two main characters, Yu and Hime. Um, at first, you know, it's that very uh, awkward meet cute. Oh, the the girls kind of sundere and stuff like that. But I like that they have an evolution of their re- relationship. It's 
it's not like they're instantly but you do see that kind of as they share experiences they do become attached to each other and you'll know, see each other's value and a lot more things like that it also has one of the neatest scenes that's just like and it sounds super weird out of context but there's at one point there's a character who has one of the mechs because they're kind of they're kind of like even uh, Evangelion stuff where they're kind of organic, kind of alive, but they're also giant robots and you're not kind of sure. But there's one character that um, you meet after he's been kind of separated from the group who has one of these that isn't on either side of the war, just is content to live her life. And she has one of, uh, one of the brain powers and it's just, it's literally, you know, the middle dead of winter in this area and the brain power it's just figures kind of content to live its own life doesn't need to be involved in the war and it's it's a really neat scene and again because you've got this yoko kano score uh it works really well if you want just a good sample um i'm double checking the name of it there is a piece from the soundtrack um i think it's just called yeah but it's just called arc and just look that up on like youtube or something Look up Brain Powered Arc. You'll find this track after you're done watching the uh, the opening credits and being weirded out. Check that. Uh, check out that song, and it works really well. So, it, that opening is not that weird. We've seen worse. <laughs> uh, it's de- definitely up there for weird, in my opinion. But I won't say it's the weirdest. But it, it's it's a, it's one worth checking out. I I like Brain Powered. I I like the fact that it is the is. Even though Tomino didn't want it to be like the anti-Evangelion, it became like kind of concerted at the anti-Evangelion. And I liked his yeah. take on organic mechs a little better. Yeah. Again, it's not without its flaws. I, 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 I won't rip it to shreds like some people do. And I won't, but I'm not, I'm not going to pretend it's perfect either. It's just, it's another good example of if you like one uh, series or something, here's kind of something that's adjacent to it. Like, as I say, it's kind of the rough draft of... So if you enjoyed Turn A, you can kind of see where those ideas came from. And that's what makes Brain Power worth checking out. And uh, isn't, isn't this the one which has the weird release where, like, certain DVDs were never released or they were released late? Or, or uh... no... Or am I mixing that up with... Uh... No, I'm mixing that up with... Uh, with or Battler Dunbine. Oh, oh, that's one. Speaking of shows that I could talk for, you know, uh, a whole episode on Dunbine. Yeah, Dunbine was the one that got messed up. But that's no, for... this was and, and this was a. I think this was a shorter release. It was only like three, uh, like in a three volume release um, in America. I know that. Um, let's see. It I is know. a twenty six episode series, but it was only three. It was only three home video releases, so it was pretty easy to get all of it. Played. I remember you could get it at uh, the infamous Media Blasters booth at the long-forgotten, long-ago when we had conventions. Yeah. But you could get a lot of stuff from them. Uh, but, alright. So, with that, let me roll mine, see what the next one is, and... Oh! So this is one that... Um, yeah, so this is one which is I'm a huge advocate for, and I'm just gonna say, this is a weekly shonen uh sunday comic that is about ninjas and no it's not naruto we're talking about flame of rekka which is uh the story of rekka hanabishi a kid who's a ninja otaku and then eventually he discovers that he actually is a ninja he was born in the past and sent to the future and 
people are after him because they're trying to get his abilities because he has powers. Turns out he's able to create fire, hence the flame of Rekka. Like he's he was supposed to be the Hokage of he was supposed to be the leader of the Hokage ninjas who used elemental weapons, also known as Madogu. And each one is different. And he has a crew of his group that are called the Hokage who help him fight his arch villain, who is his twin or not twin, his older brother, who is really messed up because the whole thing was he was his brother was supposed to be the, the leader. And then because he was born, they said, oh, you're not the leader because you have a cursed flame. And it's kind of I want revenge against my brother. And it's a cool series because you have a lot of very different characters. It's a little bit like you see elements have been taken for other series as well. Uh, there is a tournament arc that's actually really cool because the anime focuses on the tournament arc. It doesn't finish the rest of the series. It covers the first three story arcs, which is the first one is getting the group together. Second story arc is fighting his brother. And then the third arc is the tournament arc. And the tournament arc is a bunch of people have the different elemental weapons. And you see all the different abilities that are crazy and weird and strange. Uh, one guy's ability is paper. Like, he has a sword that's made of paper. Another person is a sword made of ice. Another one is uh, one of the, the cooler characters. He has this weapon called the Kogan Anki. It is a weapon that's actually like a puzzle piece. And he's obsessed with puzzles. So, depending on how you put it together, it's a different weapon. So, it turns into six weapons. Mm. Kind of cool. And um, But, yeah, that sounds... I sound like I was mumbling the entire time, yes? <laughs> no, no, you were fine. I was just—you were in the zone, so you go. Yeah, it's it's a we it's a series which was um, directed by uh, Noriyuki Abe, and it was released uh, on uh, and Discotech released the whole series in forty-two volumes, and it's a cool series. It's also on Crunchyroll with the dub, and the dub is not terrible. It's an older dub too, isn't it? Yeah, it's an older dub, and a lot of the things like people compare like. Um, Besides the girl who's like his his main girlfriend, you have uh, the girl that he likes. You have the girl that liked him, but he kind of spurns and she's into him, but she's with him. So them. And then you have essentially the, uh, what the hell is his name in Yu Hakusho? Not Yusuke, the other one, the stupid one. Oh, Kuwabara. Yes, the Kuwabara character. But this one has a mohawk and a nose ring. And he's just a complete, like, his his whole thing is he is, like, everyone else, we use one elemental weapon his thing is he steals elemental weapons and he like it's a bunch of them so he's like decked out he's like okay for this situation i'll use this one so he's not stupid but he's kind of just the dumb brood at first yeah and it's a it's got a cool story uh there's a fighting game which i have to admit the fighting game was a lot of fun but it's just crazy how some of the weapons and powers work like Rekka actually has um his whole thing is the flame that he has is his ancestors and all the different past uh, leaders of the Hokage, and each one has their own personality, and he has to like beat them up to get their ability. And each one is different. Like one was a psychopath, and his whole thing is his power is a death ray that anyone that he looks at because he was blind, like he turns to a giant dragon that's blind, and when he opens his eye, it'll kill anybody that looks at his eye. Hmm. Another one, the flame is shape shifting, so it'll make him turn into other people. Another one is like a sword. One is a healing flame. It's all just it's an addictive series. Yeah, And I originally found it by accident because I was getting, back in the long, long ago, before you could stream anime, before you could hmm. buy it on DVD, you'd have to go to these shops in certain locations where they would sell you a third generation VHS tape that had someone had copied it. 
and fan yep. subbed it back in the day. And this one I got by accident and I got super addicted to. I had like the majority of the series on VHS tapes, all third, fourth generation. I was so happy when the DVD came out. Yeah. <laughs> Took up a lot less shelf space. Oh, yeah. And also didn't look like crap in certain episodes or have different character names throughout like one season. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. That's always fun. Uh. This is where we start saying the kids these days have a two moments. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we now now we, that we get off your lawn. Yep. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll roll for my keep getting the same number again. Oh, okay. Number one, and Zan will be able to attest to this. I get very agitated when I talk about this, especially when I've had a uh, growlet of uh, cold brew coffee during a panel. As we're talking about this. Oh, boy. I'm just going to sit is... back. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, how much time do we have? Anyway, this is, and I'm just going to give it a full title, Armored Fleet Diarugger 50. <laughs> yep. um, this was the show that when they made the uh, first American uh, Voltron series, there was, they combined two shows, uh, Beast King Go Lion, for what people know as Lion Voltron, and then they made what's known as Vehicle Voltron, which was... Um, this series, uh, Diagraphy. And it's hard to kind of distance it is like, because a lot of people think, oh, well, Lion Voltron is better than Vehicle Voltron. But if you look at just Go Lion compared to Diarugger, like the original Japanese shows, I would argue that Diarugger is the superior show just on its own merits. Um, Go Lion's a little bit more just by the numbers, super robot. Um, of the you know of the eighties and se- uh, late seventies and the early eighties, and Dyrugger is you're seeing that little bit of that cusp of trying to bring in more serious uh, science and stuff and things like that. So the whole point is that these this kind of federation of three planets, or uh, one of them being the Earthlings and the other two are just they've got this fleet that they're kind uh, uh, crossing the universe for. Because their whole mission is they want to complete their star chart. They want to their their whole mission is to chart the stars. They're not trying to invade. They're not trying to take over. They, they that is the, their mission, and this is why they're planet hopping. And then you have the other uh, adversaries who are just kind of attacking them and everything like that. Um, and they're kind of like oh you know this, these messing up ourselves. They're invading these worlds that we have our rightful we're just kind of confused as to why and i it's it's frustrating that the um uh, media blasters had one release and it didn't do very well so it's hard to find the full series um for purchase but i really like it um, when you figure that just for pilots that make up the machines that make up the the die rugger it's 15 characters just for that for just for pilots it's a pretty big cast, but you actually do get uh, a lot of interesting uh, play with the characters and see their different relationships because there's, you know, people from every each species of the uh, uh, alliance on each team and things like that. Again, and it's why is it, you know, Die Rugger 15 uh, not to the fact that you have 15 players on a rugby team. So that's, you know, 15 ruggers. Uh, it's got a great opening theme, but one of the, and uh, this is skip ahead a couple minutes because it's going to be a major spoiler. And if you don't want it spoiled, skip now. One of the coolest scenes is in towards the last episode. So you find out that the Galveston Empire, the bad guys, um, the reason they 
are looking for new worlds is they need to find a new homeworld. Their homeworld is dying. It's it's basically going to go Krypton on them, and they don't they don't want they don't want to. They probably won't let them admit this to that they need help finding a new homeworld. And there's one kind of main villain for about the first third of the series who's going around fighting them, and basically he can't defeat them. So he the, the Galaxy Garrison. So he's he is brought home, and he's kind of shamed and and stuff like that, and he's made to be kind of a pariah in his in the government system and stuff like that, because he had the gall to say, well, maybe we should work with these people. And eventually in the final episode, and this, this annoyed the hell out of me because this scene is depicted on the cover of the, uh, the third, uh, the third and final volume that discotech released. So I, I was waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. And then it wasn't until the last episode, but finally they've accepted that they have to work with the, uh, uh galaxy garrison to find a new home world. And they're going to start evacuating, and every, everyone's starting on the show, and he finds three guys kind of hanging around. And what are you guys doing? Come on, you got to evacuate. The plan's about to explode. And they still view him as a traitor. And their reaction is all three of them charge at him with, uh, with some daggers, stab him in the... And his, re- his, his response is, you assholes, get on the goddamn ship. <laughs> and, like, he scares the crap out of them because it's like, this is not about our pride. This is about the survival of our species. And he ends up, you know, dying on the planet that, you know, kind of turned its back on him and stuff like that. And it's a very beautiful scene. And it's, a, you know, kind of the a good example of the villains aren't, you know, not all villains are pure evil and things like that. That things, And it's just an enjoyable story. Yeah, yeah it still has some super robot elements and kind of, monster of the week stuff but when you get into that overarching plot like the main story that they're trying to tell overall this is where it gets really interesting and you have some really neat stuff again i don't and the last thing i said again i think it just gets short because people think oh well it's vehicle voltron it's not good as original lion voltron but if you look at it as its own series i think it's really strong it's a strong series, and some of the things are, like, all the characters are very nuanced. Like, um, I think, I don't know if it was early on or later on, like, there's a mutiny early on that they want to work with uh, um, Garrison. Yeah. And when they get captured after they fail, instead of getting captured, the guy who set the mutiny just kills himself right there. Yep. And that and that's something that you wouldn't see in a lot of, like, Voltron, you wouldn't, well, eh. Yeah. Gotta, uh, I do so, wish that we got, oh, go on. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I do wish that this got a remake in uh, on Netflix. Would make sense to do after the uh, end of Defender of the Universe. Uh, I would love, to, yeah, like uh, leg- I would love to see a legendary Defender take on this because that series took nods, had a lot of stuff that was both the original anime series Go Lion and the original and what we came to know as Voltron, it kind of made a really cool hybrid of the two, you know, respected it both kinds of its roots. And I think you could do that with, you know, a Die Rugger and Vehicle Voltron. So I'd love to see that. It'd probably change the name, but I think that'd be pretty good because it's a good series with a multifaceted class, even though that the, I still think some of the design of the 15 robots put together, it's like, it is one of those. This should not. They should not go together like this. But it does. Yeah, it's. I. I. I'm very whatever about the the kind of the individual machine. I do think once they come together, Die Rugger looks cool. 
Yeah, the I think yeah, I like how he looks. He looks. Um, I've seen the design used somewhere else in another series. I can't think of what it was, but I want to say Power Rangers, but no, probably not. Yeah. Um, this is another one I'll, I'll say that's in that category of anime where when I first like heard it, I didn't care for the opening theme. But the more I watched the show, the more I fell in love with it, and it's become one of my favorite theme songs. It is a good theme song. All right, you're up next. But yes, so I've rolled number... Well, let's roll. Uh, Ooh, wait. No, one, two, three. I rolled that one already. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Um, Okay, so this next one is a... Another series which is kind of a guilty pleasure for me, but it's also one which, for a long time, the manga was my white whale. I spent a long time looking for the final volume. Because, unfortunately, Vertical's release of it, while amazing, no one bought it. So, it wasn't really that uh, that popular. Because it was popular, but it wasn't that... It was just people stopped being interested in it, because it had a lot of sale. But, I digress. Let me get to the anime, because we're talking about the anime. And I'm talking about Yu Yaganuma's Twin Spica. This is a one-half coming-of-age story, one-half sci-fi story, but it's hard sci-fi, which I actually really enjoy when sci-fi series do hard sci-fi because it makes it a little more realistic and more interesting. Like, this is how things could have gone. Like, um, Wings of Oniamis, you could say, is hard sci-fi because it's very weird, but this one, it does that where it's just one little difference is that the Japan has their own space program, and it opens up where there was a um, a rocket ship. Ex- uh, there was a disaster with a rocket ship after it exploded, destroyed half the half of the area. And our main character's mother died in the accident. And worse than that, her father was one of the designers of the ship. So it's kind of kind of you have a lot of grief going there. But the whole thing is that our main character Asumi is a girl who's raised by her father and has a friend who is walking around with a lion head on. No one could see him except her. A little bit of spoilers, that's actually the ghost of one of the astronauts from the ship called the Lion. And the whole thing is that she wants to be, as she says in the first uh, episode, a spaceship driver. And she pictures herself like driving a bus. And (laughs) she is trained to become an astronaut. The only thing is that she is also absurdly short. She's like 4 foot 11. And most astronauts have to be at least five six, so it's the whole thing. But she is studying to be an astronaut, and it's her going to take those steps to become an astronaut. All things she has to deal with, all the training missions. The first part of the series, well, the first part is her as a child, just getting there, learning about what's going on, becoming, uh, getting into the program because a lot of people don't want her in the program. For example, some people used to work with her father and think okay, this is the daughter of the bastard who ruined the lion and ruined our career, so we have to make sure that she doesn't get accepted. And it's her dealing with this. And she's a good person, a nice girl, and she's actually competent. Like, she's memorized the stars. She knows all the constellations, and she is willing to do the things that are going on. Like, the first training mission is that three of them are locked in a room for eight days, and they have to set up dominoes for eight days straight and they have to use every single one of the dominoes, and then halfway through, stuff will go wrong. Like, there'll be situational awareness. Like, there'll be an er- they'll set up the rooms to shake. Everything gets knocked over. They got to start over. It's kind of... Well, it's technically sound, and it's very heartfelt. Unfortunately, it only covers the this, first... I mean... I... Oh, go on. I was going to say, this is one series... Like, I've only read the manga, but it's one that you just can't help but want to root for the main. You do, and it's kind of... So, it's so... 
Like she's Azumi's such a good character, and she's so nice and sweet. And you want her to do good. You want her to succeed in this dream of hers. And also, it gets more crazy when some of the other characters, like her best or quote unquote best friend Shinosuke, is a guy who joined the group just because he wants to be with her. And it's kind of like it's yeah. like he, he doesn't want to say he's into her, but he's doing this because he's into her. And then there's a whole conspiracy that they never talk about in the anime because it ends abruptly where they talk about um, their friend who something's off with her, Marika. In the manga, you find out she's actually a clone, and I could spoil that, but it's <laughs> it's a, it's just a shame that it ended. It just it only had a grand total of... Oh, it had 20 episodes. It did have 20 episodes. I thought it was less than that. It had 20 episodes. That was it. Yeah. There is a live-action adaptation, though, which was apparently much better. I can see that being fun as a live-action. Uh, I will say the best episode is the second episode, because that's one where something happens to her, and it gets very... Um, supernatural, because Azumi uh, falls into a river, and then it's her meeting her mom when she's about to die. It's 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 poignant, it's sad, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, don't, I'm not gonna spoil it anymore, but it's a it's an interesting uh, episode. Okay, yeah, this is one I like. I think I'd be very. I should give this anime a try because I did love the manga, even if it is not the full story. It's it's a good one. It's just that you're gonna wanna. Uh, I think you're gonna want tissues with this one. And the opening theme song is pretty good. It's uh, by Buzzy, and the series does a pretty adept job at adapting the the manga. I think. Just I wish it had ended better. Yep. Uh, so where are we? How many do we have left? I think you have. Four I left? have four left. Yeah, same here. Uh, no, yeah, I've, yeah. So let's see, what we got. Uh, okay. Um... Well, I'm going to actually continue on. I'm not going to roll anymore because I'm running out of choices. Um, but I'm going to spring off your uh, space travel theme and go with uh, one from uh, 1999. And it's hard to believe that this series is that, that old now. Um, Legend of the Black he- uh, Legend of Black Heaven, which you, you hear this title and it, it sounds like it's going to be, you know, almost like a dark, like um, magic series or something like that. Nope. It is about a guy who's a middle-aged salaryman who, uh, once upon a time, he used to be a rocker in a heavy metal band. And it's found out that the way he plays his guitar can be promoted uh, and used um, to help fight off an alien space force invasion by another. (laughs) And it's super weird. It's a a lot of comedy. It's got one of the best... um, This is one I'd say you got to watch it subtitled because it's got one of the best... Japanese person trying to do uh, someone speaking in in English uh, things scenes ever is explaining one, how one of his bandmates died and he's accidentally like doing some rude gestures to someone and the person doesn't take too kindly to it. Oh, this all, the soundtrack on this is amazing. I love the his how his old bandmates turned out in it. Yeah, they're, they're all like middle aged guys like. Part of the reason the band broke up was this guy died. Part of it was um, the main character, like one of one of their uh, one of the groupies, he actually fell in love with, got pregnant, and so they had to like actually settle down and have a normal life. And it's you know they have a young kid, and there's that element of like you know almost like she thinks maybe she he's cheating on on her or something, but it's also at the same time she's happy to see him kind of get a more uh, bigger jump in his step. And it's it's just such a ridiculous premise, but it's 
it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be like really silly. And this is oh, oh sorry go on and no, i was just gonna say and don't let the cover art uh fool you because it, it looks um very serious it looks like a you know almost like a metal album like that but it, that's not the case at all it's it's worth worth investing your time in uh that's really all I'm, i've got to say right off the top of my head I, I was gonna bring up the fact that it's i like the fact that the alien who's recruiting her recruiting him there's a whole thing of that she would go up, she would do things with him, but he's kind of noble. With yeah. And, and the ending of it is ultimate metal concert, I think. Yeah. No, it's not metal. It's not. Uh, yeah. It's, that's right. That's right. I forgot. I forgot. It's the, but anyway, that's spoiling, but very cool show. But the, 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 yeah. One of the ones before it is a great, what's going on. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's one of those ones. That just all you saw when it came out, and I think a lot of people just kind of missed it now that it, it fell off the, off the radar. But yeah, um, there's a really good uh AMV uh for this call to the uh to the Jonathan Colton song uh Code Monkey, and that's a that's a good example of it just kind of gives you an idea of what it's like. Uh, I'll probably put in the show in the show notes on the website, I will put that video because it is an awesome AMV. Yeah. Um, so for the next, for since we're halfway, next what I'm doing is one which most people don't know because of its spinoff. Well, it's not a spinoff. It's a sister series where it's in the same universe as another manga, but most people know the other manga, and they rarely know this manga, even though there's been adaptation upon adaptation upon adaptation. There's like two different mangas, three different anime series, and they get the... Ch- and they were brought back to my attention because they're in the newest film from the spinoff series. And I'm talking about the more intriguing thief manga by Tsukasa Hojo, Cat's Eye. Now, this is the story of uh, three sisters, uh, Hitomi, Rui, and I, who run a cafe called Cat's Eye in Tokyo, which is ironically right next to the police station. And they're art thieves. And one of them is dating the main detective who's after them. And he doesn't realize that they're the thieves he's after that he has seen. And the thieves are known as Cat's Eye because they leave their calling card, which is Cat's Eye. And the name of their coffee shop is Cat's Eye. It's kind of head That's scratching. just one of those. Yeah. Yeah, but the whole thing is they're stealing specific pieces of artwork because they're connected to their long-lost father, Michael Hines, who was collecting artwork during the Nazi regime. And there's evidence of what happened to him it's like a note that's in each of the art pieces because apparently the mafia is trying to kill him or old Nazis are trying to kill him. So they're trying to find out what happened and it gets even more crazy. Like, but it's actually really cool seeing all the characters uh, interact. It's a very vibrant and strange. It's a, it's a great high series. If you like a uh, thief series like Lupin the third or oceans 11, you will enjoy this series. Also, it's fun that they're specifically stealing specific things. Uh, it's not like they're, oh, we're just going to steal all types of art, like, um, what the hell is it? Uh, Eroica with love, where the whole thing is, I steal things because they're beautiful, and then I'm going to sexually harass people. That's what the guy does in that series. We don't talk about that one. In this one, it's, we're doing this because we're trying to find our father. And each of the characters are distinct and different. It's not the Huey, Dewey, Louie. They're, they're all exactly the same. They're like twins. This is, each one is different. The main character is the middle child. She's the one that is um, engaged to the guy. She's the main. Uh, she's the one who commits the crimes. 
and she is the cat's eye, and she's like an accomplished athlete, and she's able to an escaped artist. The older sister, who is the brains of the operation, she is the person who's able to. She's essentially their getaway driver: motorcycles, cars, helicopters, skateboards, and she speaks all the languages. And then the younger sister is their tech geek, you know, mechanics, uh, computer programming, and also she's the one who is uh, well. She's the one who may give things away. And then, of course, we have our the cop, Toshio, who's just... He is the guy who's like, I'm going to catch them no matter what. And then he's persistent, and that's why he's staying with his job, but he should have been fired a long time ago. It's, uh, it's one that they... they uh, was it Nozomi that brought it? Or was it... No, it was Discotech. Discotech brought it. But, yeah, the, the, yeah and I, I'm kind of hoping that they can bring it back again because it was only DVD, but so it is. Um, my first exposure to finding out about this one, it was the, the theme song, like an adaptation of it, was used on Dance Dance Revolution, and that was my original exposure to it. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's, well, hopefully Discotech will release this because they have now the rights to City Hunter, and it, this is connected so much to the City Hunter universe. You can't be like, no, it's not. It's still because yeah. I mean, the place where City Hunter operates out of is the Cat's Eye Cafe. It's just run by someone else because they disappear to do their own thing. Yep. Even though it's, it's a little, it's the different. Oh, go on. It's it's like like having um, it's like having um, why am I a gunsmith cats without writing? Oh, so so intertwined. Yeah, that is a perfect example of it. Or comparison, rather. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, watch watch uh, Shinjuku Private Eyes. They, even though they're only in it for two minutes, which sucks. So I wanted to see it for them, and then two minutes. But that's how it goes. So I'm curious which one you're going to do next, because you have some interesting ones left. Um, let's see. Um, ooh. I'm gonna. I'm, I know which one. Of, these are both from the same year. I, interestingly enough. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with, um, the, this one first, um, cause it's a classic Osoma Tezuka manga that was the source material. A lot of people consider what was going to be kind of his magnum opus that he never actually finished, but it's a really good one. It's, I think it just got a Blu-ray release too. And it's a gorgeous series, uh, Phoenix. Ooh. Um, so it's, it's an anthology series, like you're seeing all these different uh, people live different lives in, it goes all over the place. Like it starts in prehistory, then goes to the far flung future. And then it kind of is like, you're going back and forth um, to like the, uh, you know, not further in history to not further in the future. And like the belief was that if Tezuka had actually finished this, it would have ended in the middle and kind of present day. And it's just different stories about people who encounter the phoenix they see it in different ways and how kind of the lives they live sometimes in search of it or sometimes the phoenix just kind of is passing through and change it you know is a catalyst for bigger events in their life uh just it's a gorgeous series it's a really neat one um also it plays with the whole tezuka star system where you have characters that they're different characters but they all look the same and you know it's possibly that it's just actors playing different characters like that so it works for that anthology series like you look at how you know maybe this isn't the best example but american horror story 
still uses the same cast to tell a different story on and on and things like that. That um, is a good example of it, especially because the first episode you have Dororo and Yakimaru and um, I want to say Rin are the yeah. cavemen in the first episode, in the first scene. Yep. And it's just an it's a neat tale. Um, there's a lot of like heartwarming stories. Um, some there's just even though they're all connected and they all kind of share similar themes, there's very different stories. Like there's like one in the future where uh, a guy is recovering from like uh, just like an injury or something, had surgery, and like for whatever reason, like all humans just like look like blobs or monsters to him and some and but there's one one person that looks like a beautiful woman to him and it's just a robot in the real world and everyone else is kind of like this guy's crazy and they've you know try and help him put him through another surgery and then they they come out looking like different blobs but still the real, uh beautiful to him and kind of the life they you know he kind of like he goes on the run because it's kind of like okay you're messed up let us help you like that but it's there's just a lot of neat stuff. And again, it's 2004, so it's... And because Tezuka is such a well-known thing, you can see that they put a lot of uh, effort into making this look good. And it's it's a good one to pick up. Maybe watch one episode, maybe watch a couple, things like that. Um, so that's one I, w- I would toss out. Yeah, also you could try watching it in chronological order. You could, Episode one, two, what is it? Uh, five, six. Yeah, it, it it gets a little crazy, but you could do it in a couple different ways. It does get a little. Um, what is the word I was looking for? Um, it does get a little melancholy, but that's because some part of it's are like, uh, what is that? Uh, what is the one? Um, da, 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 da. Apollo, like Apollo's song. There's some references to or some ideas that were used in Apollo's song are brought into Phoenix because there yeah. are some that are just truly like just heartbreaking. Stories, but they're all just a great. Um, well, we're gonna save the rest of this for a review of Phoenix if I ever get the manga, which now it's like that's a whole other. Yeah, but it's. I think it's also one that if if you really enjoy uh, Tezuka manga and you want to see like a really well done a- adaptation of some of his one of his best works, this is definitely a good one to check out. Hmm. It is one that that you should. It's it's. I think it's a owner piece. But another uh, thing, I would agree. Yeah. But the other thing is that this is I'm going to bring up an old reference, and it's one of the series I didn't bring on this list because people do know it. Blackjack, uh, uh, Osama Tezuka's Blackjack, an amazing series about the world's greatest doctor with the hands of God or under licensed doctor. It's one of those ones where if you watch it at a certain time in your life, you're not going to get it, and you'll be like, "This is boring." Phoenix at times can seem like that, where it's like you have to be at a certain point in life or past a certain point to fully appreciate it, but I think you should watch it either way. Yeah, and it's definitely one I've come back to because I've wanted to kind of see... I, I take away something different from it each time I go back to it because I'm at a different point in my life, and I think that's another reason to put it on the own list is because you, if you go back to it and review it, you'll you'll come away with the new because where you are in your life is has changed. I 100% agree with this. Um, but uh, well, you guys let us know what you think about that one. Uh, that Any of these, actually. Let us know. Email us. Um, you can email me at zanspirekin.com. Doug is at Doug Wilder. Doug at, at AnimeCon. Doug at AnimeCon. No, it's uh, Doug at, anime, Doug at AnimeCons.t. That's right. 
Um, but let's get to the other. Uh, well, I have a couple more left. Um, well, I have one more left, and then we'll get to the one that we mutually agreed on. And this one, um, mm. to, to kind of go back to the one of the early ones I reviewed, or I mentioned, this one is another adaptation of a work by Alexandre Dumas. But this one, they changed things up dramatically. First off, they gave it more of a sci-fi blend, and second, they combined Impressionism and Japanese wood panel or ukiyo, ukiyo style to make a very strange and unique-looking series. We're talking about Genkutsu, The Count of Monte Cristo. Now, if you never read The Count of Monte Cristo, man is wrongfully accused, gets out, gets money, and plots revenge against everybody who screwed him over. This one, the adaptation, is set in the far distant year of 5053, and during a visit to Lune with his best friends, a young Viscount, Albert de Morcef, meets the mysterious Count, and after he's saved by the Count, he becomes friends with him, and then things happen. Aliens are involved, uh, twisted uh, supernatural elements, and it is a very convoluted and crazy story that's taking one of the minor characters from the series and making them the main character. And I do like mm. that, that it's not the, it's not, it's the count is the main character, but they take one of the younger characters from the book. Who's almost a doesn't matter and puts him as the main character. And it's a, a, it was made by studio Gonzo it was released over here by pioneer, I think, or was it just Gonzo? Um, yeah. it, it was directed by Mahiro Maide. It is 2004, 2005 with 24 episodes. And it is, um, the thing that I like about the series is that the design work is strange. And I don't mean like Soul Taker strange. I mean like there are scenes where characters are walking around wearing like robes and kimonos and they're moving, but the image of the clothing, the pattern, isn't moving. Like as they're moving, it's like they're going across a panel. Like it's a green screen almost. Like their clothes are green mm-hmm. and you're just moving past. And it's very surreal almost dreamlike and it works in this world that the count drags albert into it's it is weird and strange and bizarre and there's also giant robots in this series yeah <laughs> like I don't for- forget that part i forgot that there's giant robots in this series i'm i'm marrying like wait a minute yeah and it's the whole reason for this is that all because a guy wanted the position of another of his quote unquote best friend led to all the things that happened in this. Yeah. It's a very just... It is a totally just like... Well, the stories... If you never read The Count of Mike Crystal, the original book, it is a very amazing, passionate, and depressing book that's just engaging. And this is a weird adaptation that shows the unique nature of anime and how it could do things differently. For a minute, I actually thought this was made by... um, uh, Shit. Brain stops. Um, it was made by uh, Rain. Not working. What the hell is his name? No. Um, Masaka Yuasa. It was made yeah. like like that design of that weird, strange, and just unique style. That's just this series. Um, you've seen it, right? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces. I. It's one that I, I keep trying. Every time I think about tracking it down, I can't. I'm like missing a volume. It's spiked up in price. It is one of those rare ones that you have to hunt down, and supposedly it was re- at the, what was it released on Toonami? Uh, I don't recall. It was on Animex, I know that, but I don't know where it was on another one too. I just don't know. Oh, it's on Funimation Channel right now. Well, I guess there you, you go. 
If it's on there right now, I will watch this again because it is a. It is. Well, it is it, I take that back. It is now. You can get the uh, the save edition, which is Funimation, for twenty dollars on Amazon. So yeah, this there one I would give. I would give a, a check out because of how how sci-fi-ish it is. Because he's kind of like a blue space vampire. Yeah. And I think you'll enjoy it. Just stick with it, though. It it does get very like you need like a a string to you know the board with the string and all the stuff going on in it. Yeah. To to take because because all the people who screw over the count and how that all happened, it's like like how the hell is this person connected here? But yeah, I I think this is one I will say. Um, check out the uh, the trailer for Amazon, but watch it without sound. Just look at it. And if that doesn't strike your curiosity, you, something's off. But I think, again, watch the trailer just without sound and a sample of what it is. Because it's, it's Gonzo, and they, do some, they have some pretty good animation. Because that's one thing we could say about them. Maybe some of their stuff isn't great, but their animation is top-notch. Yeah, and this is, it's visually you'll never be bored, at the very least. Mm-hmm. And let's okay. get to the last one. I think this is one um, we both I, agreed on. Oh, go on. Well, we have that, but I have one more that we didn't oh, mention. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, so, wait, wait. And I, I think I have one more, too. <laughs> okay. Um, so, this is one that I uh, I adore this series. And it's one I d- went in with very, very uh, minor. Um, it's an edit. Again, we're going to an adaptation of a very old uh, manga and anime that even had an anime series that was uh, very old, and even that old anime series had an American adaptation. We are talking about the 2004 version of Tetsujin 28, uh, which was the series that the original black and white Tetsujin 28 is what became Gigantor here in the 60s, 70s, and the black-white cartoon. But this this takes the setting and the time it was released and uses that to its advantage. So... Instead of you know trying to bring it into the modern day or something like that, it is set in kind of post war war World War II Japan, kind of in the fifties, you know, uh, maybe at best early sixties, but I think it's mainly fifties. Um, and it's a film. It's kind of film noir mystery thriller. It's really great. Like you find out that you know Shotaro, the who's the main uh, character, who's the you can't even call him the pilot. The controller of Tetsujin is, you know, your typical the boy detective and stuff. But there's all he's solving the mystery, and there's not only the mystery of the kind of day to day and some of his villains. The there's the overall mystery of what is Tetsujin like. It's just kind of because it arrives in a missile <laughs> into the middle of Japan as he's chasing down some criminals with. And, you know, it was known that his father was building machines and he can control it. But the name of kind of the compartment uh, or the name of the missile and things like that. So kind of the alternate name for Tetsujin is also Shotaro. And you're just kind of like wondering what the heck going on. And it's a it matches the uh, art style very well. It brings it into it uses it to its advantage. It doesn't look dated it looks like it's very stylized um i could be wrong but i i swear i remember this and again it's been a few years since i've watched it so i'm overdue for a rewatch i think it's either early on in one of the episodes uh one of the first episodes or 
kind of at the start of the final arc, you see just kind of a melted pile of metal, and they're basically saying this is this is what became of Tetsujin. But now let's find out how it came, how that came. That's the end of this. Let's find out how that came to be. And it's directed by Yasuhira Imagawa, who is one of my favorite anime directors because he's taken a lot of classic mecha anime and given them fresh life, given them from a new angle. He did Shin Messenger. He did uh, Giant Robo. Um, one of, He's done G Gundam, which was the first alternate universe Gundam story, which is so wildly different from what people knew from Gundam. Uh, and he just, he, he sucks you in. He, he, you want to, like, you're going to enjoy the episode, but you're going to be, you want to know how this is all going to And that's what I think really works well with his storytelling, is he baits the hook so well. And this is no, uh, the 2004 Tetsujin series is no exception. You're going to, you're going to want to see what, uh, things like that. Um, you're, and I will admit Tetsujin looks a little weird in, you know, more, modern animation but some of his adversaries still look great of course there's the classic kind of antagonist um giant robot that everyone sees that's always in tetsujin black ox black ox is such a timeless mind he looks it looks great so i think um i think it's just worth checking out and it's a good like if you like giant robots and you want a good mystery this is one to check out was did he did he direct the movie the what is it uh, the 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 daytime moon did he direct that also I think he might have let me double check so I, I don't know if that's a sequel or if that's connected to it it's 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 its own own independent okay because I didn't know if it was because I couldn't remember if it was because I've seen that one and I gotta say because Tension Twenty Eight or as the original property was renowned as Gigantor is an iconic mech and it's or not mech it's a giant robot and yeah. This is in the 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 uh, what is it called the kind of what's another word for steampunk but not steampunk uh, the uh, like the this style of of machinery is very cool and it's very mech otaku and yeah in, ro- in robot otaku it is like really just yeah well it's, done it's 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 like it's kind of in that middle ground between steampunk and modern day. Like it's like, like the industrial revolution has come, come and gone, but it's, it's like, I guess like that era of like that post-war modernizations ramping up. Sort of. Like it's in that era. And like, you'll see a lot of neat stuff. Like you'll see, there's a lot of like heavy chains with Tetsujin and things like that. So yeah, it's like industrial think, punk probably. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a lot of, uh, again, I think it, really benefits by making it period. And that, well, that's a, a good thing, because it is a, it should be that, I think, because yeah. Tetrogen, and he's um one of the things that we should, it's like, um I've lost, forgot what I was saying. I had a point. Yeah. It's not going in the right direction. But. Yeah. So, um the thing I'll add is, they kind of point out that, you know, Tetsujin was a was originally supposed to be a weapon of war that found a way to use for it, but they kind of play into the fact that it's like this is still a war machine scene, and we don't fully know the background now. We don't know what it's capable of, and you know, kind of dealing with that what that might imply. So, um, and just to answer your question, the question, the live action we was not directed by him, but that came out that came out two thousand five. Gotcha. Now. I do well. That's something I I, I am curious so because some of the designs remind me of another movie, uh, a American a Western movie, um, 
but that came out afterwards. Um, Iron Giant, I think, mm-hmm. gave a resurgence to this. I don't know, but that's me being that's something for another topic. I think another podcast or panel mm-hmm. where we talk about the conspiracy on that. But mm-hmm. um, I have one more before our our final one because I forgot about this one. And this one is another one I found randomly while going getting uh uh. Bootle- old school bootleg anime back in the day when you had VHS tapes. And this one, it's weird because it's made by the guy who made Video Girl Eye. Another series I was thinking about putting on here, but I didn't because some of you may not know what the hell Video Girl Eye is, and that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. That's a weird ass series. But this is uh, by Masakazu Katsura. It's an adaptation of one, of one of his more weird sci-fi mangas. And Discotech relicense this so you can get from discotech it's called dna squared so dna with the the little two over the a and the whole thing of this is that our main character junta is a high school student who acts like stan marsh when he first met wendy so every time a girl comes by him or he's kind of aroused he pukes and one day he meets this weird girl who says that she's from the future and by gunpoint points a gun at him says hey want to get coffee and he's kind of forced to go to coffee with this cute girl with blue hair. And she tells him that her name is Karen. Karen Oi, or I. And she's from the future, and the world is super populated. It's overpopulated because of one person who is known as the Mega Playboy. The deal is the Mega Playboy was someone who was super charismatic, was super sexual. Everyone loved him. And for some reason, women are drawn to him. And he ended up having sex with a hundred of these women. And they all had a hundred kids. And each one of them had the Mega Playboy gene. So each one of them became a Mega Playboy. And so on and so on and so on. And so this led to superpopulation of the world. And her job is that she is a DNA... And Karen is a DNA operator. She makes alterations to people's DNA that change their nature for the greater good. For example, goes back in time. There's a runner who, because he ran really fast, caused something to happen in World War II... Go back in time, shoot him with the operator gun, makes his DNA so he's normal. World War II event doesn't occur. So she ends up going there to shoot the original Mega Playboy with this bullet called the DCM, the DNA Control Medicine. It's going to make him normal. And guess who she shoots? Junta, who is a guy who pukes when he meets girls, who's obviously not the Mega Playboy. However, because she shot him, he becomes the Mega Playboy. So he has a Super Saiyan transformation from little schlumpy geek boy into super awesome, charismatic guy. But unfortunately, so now Karen has to fix Junta somehow while preventing him from doing things because he's now charismatic. Everyone is in love with him. The girl that he lusted after uh, is now into him, and she's a complete bitch. You have the guy who is like... I don't want to say he like you have a, a rival who's a complete douchebag who's super wealthy and super possessive and is like it just gets crazy. But it's um <laughs> it is it's a comedy, it's an adventure. There's they have the, the moments of when he has the Super Saiyan like power ups because he has the Super Saiyan hair. It shoots up and it's all electric, but it's just him being charismatic and awesome. And I could there's other crazy things. There's a, a girl who has a similar reaction, but it's not that she pukes. It's whenever she's by a cute guy, she um, um, she passes gas when she is nervous. So there's a very awkward scene of them of him trying to get her out of that. It's like, okay, this is kind of kind of etchy, but not. And what the hell? What is this? Uh, who is this for? 
It's a big question of who is it for. <laughs> there is a dub for this. The dub is really good. And I got to say that in uh, fun fact, the voice actor for Junta got the best actor in a comedy for the American Anime Awards because it is so funny. It is a great dub. And I usually watch subs with the dub. But this is really funny and it's pretty faithful. And it's just some of it's just so weird, though. It's uh, like at one point you get a character who shows up who's technically his grand his great great granddaughter. But it's like, what the? Why are you hitting on your your grandfather? And yeah, yeah, it just it gets weird. But it's it's a fun, weird series. It's just weird sci-fi. It's like it's how sci like sci-fi like the the more um, I don't want to say experimental sci-fi, but more risk-taking sci-fi was that we don't really see much anymore of. It's like this is maybe how the future is going to go. Um, I want to say robot carnival esque antics, but it's not because some of those are depressing. So it's just yeah, a weird so sci fi rom com. Looking really dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one I'd say give a check out. It's funny, it's weird, it's a little pervy. No, let's be honest, it's very pervy, but it's not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's etchy, but it's not hentai. It's not, there's no sex in yeah. it. It's just very like, it gets close to such things and it's, it's weird. And it's one of those that is never going to be around anymore, I think. Like, you're never going to see something like this again in the future. Yeah. But so, yeah, let's... Um, so, yeah, we'll go to the last, or, or our joint one, which we both agreed on, which was weird. Um, I was not expecting to have this be on both our lists. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. So I'll, I'll let you go for it. It's your, it's your podcast. Okay, go so we're talking about the directed by Hajime Kamigaki... Written by you, Watase, um, The Mystery of Ceres, or Ayashi no Ceres, or Ceres Celestial Legends. Uh, this is a weird shoujo series. It is action shoujo, which is sounds like you'd think that would be um, two different things. And it works really well, actually. It does work well for what it is. And um, we reviewed the manga years ago, but the whole thing is that uh, Aya and her twin brother Aki find out on their 16th birthday that they are the reincarnations uh, or they're reincarnations of two celestial beings. She's the reincarnation of Ceres, who is um, how how would you describe her? Ceres. She's kind of a goddess in the mythology and was kind of tricked into staying on Earth. Um, later on, it's revealed that that's probably aliens because yeah, the reasons. Um, and, but, you know, she's always kind of been questing for, uh, 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 what is it? Her robe, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The celestial robe, which will get her to let her go home and her family. Like when they found that she is, uh, she's the reincarnation, they want to kill her because Saris wants to exterminate the entire family because of what they did to her. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was, um, she was held, you know, held as prisoner, by the brother's descendant. Um, but this, you know, this kind of the magical item that you're not kind of sure what it is was what let her, was also kind of how they acquired massive amounts of wealth, a very powerful uh, family in the modern world. Yeah, it goes, uh, what is it? Uh, her brother is a reincarnation of her former, uh, what was it? I think yeah, the, I'm trying to remember. It's Aki's, Aki was, um, I think, her husband. Uh, Sarah's husband, or was the... yes, yep. Aki is the Aki is the reincarnation of the progenitor, which is Sarah's husband by questionable choice. 
Uh, yeah, we um, should mention that this is brother sister love. We should totally mention that this is. Uh, it's, but it's like, but it's never like promoted. It's they're they're actually antagonists because she um I actually you know eventually starts to she transforms into Saris and Saris wants nothing to do she just wants to be able to go home like she wants nothing to do with um, who Aki is and stuff like that and it's again it's you Watase and yes she Aya has um not her brother uh, she has a um, who's it uh, Toya who she's in love. with. With yeah, who kind of becomes her protector, um, and stuff like that. But it's not; it's a lot less of the, uh, like uh, Fushigi Yugi, Miyaka Tamahome. Oh, we can't be together. Yes, no, we can't. It's they pretty much stick together from it. Like they are actually bonded to each other. Um, again, it's got some. Also, has some great action sequences, um, and stuff like that. Um, what else can I mention? It's. It's a very compelling story. Like you want to find out how it's gonna all come together and stuff. Like it's crazy. Oh, we, we uh, do we mention a? Uh, I think we need to mention Miss Q. Uh, so there's yeah, because the, the, she's one of the more memorable characters. That like there's this little old woman. She kind of looks, you know, it's kind of the gonk. Kinda, like looks very out of place. Like all these beautifully uh, drawn characters, and then this one who looks kind of like. Almost like a haposai from Ranma. Or, but she says uh, she's beautiful. Or she says she's beautiful. She yeah, says she's she beautiful. <laughs> um, but like at one point, like there's there's a chase sequence, and she's like a skilled like getaway driver. And it's kind of like, how do you know how to drive that? It's like, oh, don't ask me about my past. And you yeah. like, it's always that never tell. But it's, yeah. you know, she's an awesome. She's she's some awesome comic relief. You just go with her and like, okay, okay, she's just like there for, and she's voiced by a guy, which I find okay, which works because yeah. she's got that like um, the it's like the the whole um, the the old myth that you know you stay young and then just become Obasan, and she just went to Obasan, yep, way early. And there's other crazy things in this. Um, Part of me wants to spoil the whole thing with Toya, his whole his whole like the twist with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't, don't. Because that's, that's crazy. Yeah, there's there's twists with a lot of characters, and it's... The whole story is just so, like... It's it's a weird ride that you gotta take. And yeah. um, I'm not a fan of Fushigi, but I love this series. Yeah. Um, there's also... One of the earliest scenes in it is... Um, I'm trying to see if I can look up this quote, because it's a great um, line. Um, I'm not finding it. But there's a um, I is passing by and she passes by a fortune teller who's just like you know I think it's like when sixteen planets or moons come by or something I predict this 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 and this like like suffering this and death and I I can't remember the exact quote but it's one of those as the plot goes on you realize that like it's just like oh whatever old crony you know old fortune teller that's that's weird you're just crazy. But when you go back and rewatch, uh, go back to that part of the story, you realize everything that's been said actually. It's the it's the guy Daigoji quote from episode two of Nadesco where he rants like a lunatic about Geki Gengar, and it turns out that's the whole plot of the series of, of Nadesco. Yeah. It's that. Mm-hmm. And this one, I want like I want to deep dive this, but I'm like I don't. It's 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 crazy. It's yeah. It's one of those ones that just 
there's so many crazy things that happen in it and just so much in-depth nature about it. Because like you said earlier, we don't know if she's an alien or if she's a goddess. And it's yeah. there are so many elements of each aspect that work in this series. And also there's a lot of uh, going to some old school stuff. There's a lot of Akira in this as well. Yeah. With the abilities and with the usage of the various things. Because Aya, when she becomes Sarah, she is full out powerful it's not just like oh she she's the yeah, yeah. she basically goes super saiyan like she's like she goes she it's it's that you flick the switch like i as a pretty you know doesn't want to hurt anybody kind of thing but when like saris is in control of the body all of a sudden you're going down and it's all uh, there's also characters where you meet other people who are distant parts of the bloodline that saris can also take over and some of the stuff they do uh she does with that Sometimes to mess with Aya, really crazy. That was weird that she, that Sarah. That was something I never thought was like you know Sarah shouldn't be messing with Aya too much because Aya's her. But it's like she did things to intentionally yeah. like fuck with her, and that was just yeah. And I, I I think it's the you have to let me out. Yeah, it's like let let's get the job done. We get me my robe back, and then I'll, I'll kill your family, and that's it. Yeah, it's all after the celestial robe. Yeah, uh, watch uh, it. I yeah, um, the last thing I'll say about this, this I found out about this series from an ambient Otakon years ago. Like, this probably was 2004, maybe 2005, um, maybe even 2003, geez. But it was a long time ago. And it, was like, and it was a good one that it didn't spoil anything if you weren't familiar with the plot. But it just cab- grabbed you, and it's like, okay. I'd seen Fushigi at that point. I'm like, okay, this is clearly the same art style. I don't know the specifics about this plot, but now I want to know what's going on. And it turned out to be a really good payoff. I found out about it from, they mentioned it in Animerica Extra. If you remember Animerica Extra, that was the manga version of Animerica, where they talked about mangas. They talked about the manga and the anime, and... This is one that I deep dived and because because I gave it a chance because like I said I don't like Shugiyuki I think it's I don't know just something about the whole situation pisses me off and I like so many series but that one just angers me but this one I really like this is one of those uh, gems that just works for the shoujo genre and does something different and something that the creator said is that this was designed to be like to go against the grain of oh she's just a girl yeah. Or she's just the woman. It's this is people are people in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm just rambling like a lunatic, but yeah. Uh, so I can't believe we 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 can't put the same one at the end. Yeah, that was that was a fun surprise. That was that was that was a, a and, nice I, and I and I don't and I, and I think for what people know of our taste, I don't think anybody would have predicted this for either of us. So that's the best part. Yeah, because it's one of the it's one of the rare series that we talk about. It's one that you're like, oh well, this is. You know, because my I do go all over the place, but I do have a wheelhouse I'm into. Like half this list originally was all harem series, so I was like, I gotta take all these out. And the, and the things I got now are pretty good, I think, because I'm going with the artistic value of this. Because the art for this is very, um, I like the art in this. It's it's faithful to the manga, and more importantly, it's not timeless, but it's yeah. it's something which is it's definitely shoujo, but it's also beautiful. Yeah. And it's strong. It's strong art. Yep. But yeah. 
Uh, it's another one I'd love to see someone do a, a rescue and get a nice Blu-ray update. I think Discotech rescued this. Did they? Oh. Could have sworn but, uh, I saw on a Discotech's website. Um, yeah, it's uh, Discotech oh, rescued the, it. They did. You are right. So go buy it. We've talked about half the things that we talked about are on Discotech. So give them their money. Yeah, yeah because that's how, and this is they. They do a lot of good stuff that's good if you want to find more broaden your horizon. So. Yeah. Any of these, you will have a blast. Uh, you'll have fun watching and reading, and they're all very different and unique. Um, like Legends of Black Heaven could be no di- more different than Cat's Eye or Phoenix is different than Soul Taker. It's like they're all just completely, you have something for everybody in this list. I will say though the one that the one that should get a remake I think is Dyrugger. Yeah, I, I I'd like to see what they could do with that. I'd, again, I, I'd like to see it get the uh, Voltron Legendary Defense. Yeah, I think that that one should get the treatment. Uh, one that I think that they are actually remaking is Area Eighty Eight. I think they're doing another adaptation. Oh, geez, wow. Let me again, check just I to can't... make sure. The thing I'd love to see there is someone finally trying to get the original manga here as a good release. Oh, never mind. There's a there's a board game. Interesting. I don't know how that could work, but I'd, I'd like to see. Um. Oh, it's um. It's just like Risk, except it's with the Area 88 people, and it's in the semi oh, peninsula. So, eh. so yeah. I mean, again, this is we're we're talking about the uh, the the 80s version is also worth checking out, but. Um, we were eliminating this list to TV series, and yeah, otherwise, I probably would have tossed that one off. Yeah, no, the TV series we've chosen are all great TV series, and they're all ones that are solid. And even though they all have different lengths, like uh, Phoenix is 50, 50 episodes, I think. No, it's shorter than that. Oh, it's, sh- it's a, it, it's, it might only be thirteen. Like it's at most like the twenty six. Hold on, I will pull that up curious now but it is a shorter series 13 episodes 13 episodes yeah it is it, 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 yeah so it's a, it's again it's not a it's not a long time could have sworn it was longer than that but it's a it's a it's a good investment it is uh that's the thing which is a, all these are pretty short i think the longest one might be twin spica no it's Rekka's the longest yeah Rekka's the longest and Saris is an investment, but but a lot of these are short. You can watch them in a week, and now with everything going on, you can watch it in probably three days. Yeah, and uh, I I would emphasize that a lot of these are good ones that if you like, you can find connections to other work, and that makes them, that makes them really enjoyable because you can see how they're connected to other things like same creators, same universe, things like that. I think that's why a lot of these might not get the spotlight of other ones, but they're still worth checking out because you can see you broaden your horizons, but not jump totally far off from what originally drew you in. Definitely. Um, I think, yeah, we, I think that's all I, wait, did I talk about violence of Hamel? You did not. Oh crap. I completely forgot. I was looking at my list. And like I forgot about violence of Hamel. That would be a good oh, way to cool. edge out, but that one I think actually will save for an o for the OVA uh, for when we talk about OVAs because there's an OVA which it takes the characters and completely throws them under the bus. It's like we're going to take the characters and change their personalities 150. percent mm-hmm. 
do an episode about OVA versus the uh, the great OVAs and the animes. <laughs> but yeah, I think we'll save that for next time because I want to talk about it, but we'll talk about that later because there's so many good stuff here. And I think that we are good with that. Yeah. I will say, one thing I will say though, um, as a final note, thank you guys for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And we're going to talk about other stuff as well. I think we've got some plans for more things going on in the future. Hope you guys are safe and doing well. Right. Uh, yeah. Everyone definitely needs to stay safe out there. It seems like that's replaced the phrase goodbye these days, but it is important. Stay safe. Take care of yourself. Um, look out for one another. Be patient with everybody because we're all going through crazy times. Yes, and if you're old enough, and, and, oh, go on, go on, you, you first. I'll I was just it. gonna say, and if you, and if you like this, let, let us know because again, we limited this to just TV series. If you guys want us to do uh, OVAs and movies, let us know. Yeah, and let us know like which of these you liked. Yep, and if there's one from uh, before 2005 that you think we should have. Brought up as a kind of forgotten class. Let us know. You could email me at zanspiker.com or Doug at Doug at AnimeCons.tv. And uh, also, just out of curiosity, has anyone played the Hine no Tori DS game? Is it good? <laughs> I just am curious. Now. I was looking at some of the stuff for Phoenix. I'm like, there is a video game. I'm like, that's got to either be good or terrible. There's also one that's starring Blackjack. So that's I'm wondering if that's just his segment. Because Blackjack's hmm. there for no reason. I have to look this up now. I'll find it probably on like super like that's like finding Die Rugger in uh, Super Robot Wars. He's in a is he, <laughs> he's in a couple of those, right? Yep. Uh, but that's that's for another thing. Video game adaptations of good anime or good adaptations of video games not named Naruto or Dragon Ball. <laughs> that would be a fun one. Uh, and do we talk about the the Leiji Matsumoto? Uh, the first one, the CDR game, which was supposedly uh, Galaxy Express, but it wasn't. The, ungodly. The, the, less, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> oh, I, that game was ungodly hard. It was like, you die! You die! It's like playing Dragon Dragon, um, Dragon, um, Dragon Quest? No. Uh, Dragon's Lair. Yes. Which, But mm. anyway, I digress. So, that in mind, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Uh, keep watching anime. Uh, stay safe, and Also, let us know what you guys think. We're Gonsville. Catch you next time. Later. And I'm stopping the recording.